The story that you guys just told, I got one quick one. We just had, we just had Rocky on the podcast and he literally said, um, middle of the season started seeing the snow geese and the specs act a little different. You know, they do a lot of big white spreads out there and they lay in Tyvek suits. They, I guess, you know, made a purchase with GHG. They bought 600 brand new snows. And he said, that it, the evidence was it was so evident it was unbelievable that they it, it turned his season around not turned around they were having a great season but that that new color that new vibrance that new white without all the mud on there without all the scratches yeah. on there from throwing them around he said it was like brand new geese that they were just working at 100 percent. so i think that shows you right there that decoys could play a big part in what our mo- motto is is first and finishing yeah mm-hmm. exactly and, that, and that's that's what i'm saying um there's there's no doubt i mean there's a lot of things that play into it pressure pressure is the biggest thing i think to do with any of this stuff but i mean like he said i mean you got that you got some people that like i said pick up you got some people that that will uh get done hunting hose their waders off hang them up nicely and you have some people that ride in the back of the truck all season with their dog stepping on them. And, you know, so it's just, but to your, to, to your point, yes, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're, you're never going to have the perfect decoy throughout the entire season, but if you do the, take the small steps to make, you know, provide maintenance to whatever the product you're talking about, I just see decoys being a huge factor of, of, realism and finish effect of mm-hmm. being more vibrant why why is that why is brightness so key christian in finishing birds why i mean i know that you can get them on some dome days and stuff but why yeah. why is it christian explain to the, the 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 consumer and the duck hunter out there let's stick with ducks right now christian yeah. and eric why are why are we so much more successful when we have sunshine. I just, I, I don't think they can see as well. You got reflections, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Cloud, right. everything is, is, there are no shadows to hide in. There's nothing. But I mean, it's this simple is why does it make a difference? The, the bottom line is this, right? You can boil it all down to this. Does the duck think that that's a duck? Like, that's it, right? 100%. It, it, does, the, does the flight, does the duck that you're trying to kill think that those are ducks? And if you think about it like that, you look at a field of ducks, they're bright. You don't see a pintail that's I mean, look how beautiful they are. They're bright white. I mean, they're, they're just perfect. They look like a what? A brand new decoy. So that explains it. And then you got the whole motion thing. You know, what's, what's I mean, clouds and no wind or even sunshine and no wind. The decoys are just sitting still. Yeah. They don't think that's a duck. Because you, we've all done it and we are drone or or in an airplane, you fly over a bunch of ducks. I mean, you fly over a field with a bunch of ducks in the woods, man. They, I mean, they're just doing this. They look like, oh, it's gross, but it, it like when you take a, a lid off of a trash can that's got that had food in it in July, and you got maggots. I mean, it just that's what freaking. <laughs> I mean, that's what they look like. It's a great representation. Well, if you look at any of the the updated drone footage from guys and hunters and whoever getting drone footage right now, if you get ducks in a buck brush hole, it literally looks like a science project. Like you're looking at it like it looks like worms crawling around like what you said. It looks just like maggots. But that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And I I flew 
That could be the name of your next decoy line, guys. Is the maggot, maggot series? Exactly. <laughs> the maggots. The magnet maggot series. I flew. Man, it's been probably fifteen years ago. A guy took me up in a plane in Missouri, and dude, it changed my whole outlook on it. I'm like, whoo, man! If there's no wind, you forget it. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, after after that experience, I don't know how you kill a duck over water with no wind. It's that it's that crazy. So you're saying without without uh, movement and, and, So what what if you supply all that movement? I mean it ups your odds, but you're still not gonna be in the game as much as you would be on a windy day. On windy day I think they commit better. How, but, how do you how do you supply the movement? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got all the you got all the shakers and the 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 yes. the, the, the the jitter butts and all of the different jerk strings and you'd have yeah, I think five thousand batteries out there. That that new swimmer, it, it this sounds crazy, but if you if I was like I got to hunt this day and there's going to be zero wind and I'm miserable, but I got to and there's ducks around, I've got to get this guy. I got to do the best thing, best possible chances. I would put out 24 of those swimmers and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. I mean, that's uh, I, I just, you know, maybe I'm jaded and so down on it, on the, on the wind thing, but man, it's just, whew. but that goes back to, you know, to the, uh, you got wind and it's a cloudy day. Okay. Let's talk about that. You got to win. It's a cloudy day, but your decoys look like crap. I think. You, I mean, you might might kill them, but man, you're putting yourself behind an eight ball. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait. I want to make sure I understand that. So, cloudy day, low ceiling, but windy. You have a chance to get them still because they're moving around. They could finish into the wind, like Eric Larsgaard just alluded to. Is like they're going to finish better. Mm-hmm. But now you take yourself out of the game or back three or four knocks in the belt because notches in the belt because now your decoys are faded or they're scratched up or they don't look they don't, they're not vibrant at all. Right, they look like crap. So go back real quick before we 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 get off of this subject of 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 the 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 bagging of decoys the twelve slots the six slots the bagging I know that a lot of people are again I said it before are hanging them with the Texas rig system but in today's world Christian are you going to be a duck hunter which end of the spectrum are you going to be on you said you have a hunting buddy that will literally not let you toss a decoy you have to set them uh-huh. in the water. Or are you on the end of the spectrum of just get them out, leave them out? What what end of the spectrum would you guys be on for for everyday success? I'm thinking I'm going to paint my decoys every night, or I want a decoy like a greenhead gear that's got a great paint scheme on them. Yeah. But as soon as it starts to dole out a little bit, you got to do something to get the vibrance back. Yeah, yeah. I'm obviously, I think the setting them out may be a little extreme, but I'm cl- definitely closer to that end of the spectrum. I mean, I'm picking them up every day. Um, you know, I don't know that, that you have to, uh, back, you know, slotted bags, but I'm huge on not getting them muddy and, and keeping mm-hmm. them clean for sure. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the snow goose decoy for a second, as we are going into what we call, what do you call it? What are the names of it? The conservation season? Conservation season yeah. Is it still called the depredation season? I don't know if people still uh, call it that, but no, I don't think- <laughs> okay, the concert. <laughs> the conservation season of snow geese. Yeah, um, this is big rigs. A lot of people have a, uh, a one, uh, you know, a pit with a spread, and they're just hoping for a migration. Yeah, um, but it can be muddy. It could be the thaw. It could be gross out there, right? Like your decoys get absolutely filthy if it's a big hunt day and you're killing them good. The blood on these, yeah. you know, it's nothing to see a bunch of blood on a snow geese yeah. rig. Um, what, what can a guy or girl do Christian and Eric, as far as right now, they probably have already done it. You know, they're getting ready for the spring. What kind of paint do you use? What kind of touch up can you do to a spread? Is there an education process on this that you're not going to pick the wrong paint 
that's going to flare the birds on a on a sunny day as opposed to a, a dome overcast day what would your, your your thought process be and how would you educate the consumer eric on something like that to make their spring snow goose season a little bit more successful well i mean obviously you can pressure wash your decoys off uh, a lot of a lot of your big uh, guys and outfitters do that every year they get together and pressure washer decoys off, clean them up the best they can. And then some even go as far as I, I repaint them. And from that, a lot of it's just Krylon non-UV, um, non-UV additives to uh, uh, to the Krylon paint, which you just get flat white. Or uh, if you're doing stoles and blues, you got, you know, your black that's in there to, to fill in the colors, um, brighten them up a little bit. Otherwise, it's just, just washing and stuff like that that's on there, you know. That's just like anything. Snow geese, that's a hard one to keep clean. I mean, that's always going to change and always going to do it. And you're always going to get that. And all those little crevices in our carvings that are in there to help uh, adhere that paint and to make that decoy look brilliant and br- beautiful right out of the box, stuff like that. That all catches mud just as easy. So, um, yeah, you got to wash them. Some guys get down and scrub them as much as they possibly can. But um, I agree with Christian. I agree with you guys both on that, that it's key to have that bright pot out in the field versus uh, you've all gone up to hunt with people snow geese and you look at them they're they're a yellow color and just grungy and dirty looking and you know i guess the black field that's fine but i don't know um i think i don't think um the problem is as much getting ready for season and and i think it, it just like so we're talking snow geese i mean man that's a, a freaking short window you know what i mean for the conservation season, it could be they could be through in a week, and it, the weather could change. It may be longer or whatever. But man, those guys have to get after it. So I think the the problem is not so much preseason as it is getting toward the mid or the end of the season. Just like duck hunting. Now you got guys that use the same decoys year after year after year, but I think for the most part, the people I know when they put them out. They look good. Mm-hmm. It, it's the it's the maintenance process throughout the season. Is that what you're talking about, or are you talking about more preseason? Okay. No, I'm I'm talking about the entire thing. You bring up a great point of like. You know, they might be here today, gone tomorrow. They might go through so fast that you, if you're in, let's say, where you <clears throat> were born and raised, Christian, in the boot hill. How long is that season? I don't know. Is it, can you get a month of snow goose? Are they moving that through consistently through Arkansas that you can get a full month starting in February? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's year to year. Some years those guys hunt to, you know, mid-March. Sometimes it's, I think last year it was over quick. <clears throat> I think it just all depends on the weather. Depends on the snowfall, I guess. I guess I was a little wrong on our last podcast where I said we haven't got snow for a long time. Tony was busting my butt about that. We're at 59 inches of snow sitting here right now. So in South Dakota, so the, how that melts and how fast they go through, that's a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. But, I mean, they're going to stay below that snow line. They go. They're rolling. They're rolling. That's good for duck season next year. Great. For, it's great for duck season. And the, and the snow goose, it's going to be, if the weather stays in the coldest been here and the snow level that we have all the way through right now, I don't know how far it goes up into into North Dakota, but from Sioux City all the way, and it's probably even a little bit further south of Sioux City, but um, that all the way up to the North Dakota border, you're sitting at 50-some inches of snow on the ground where we haven't been sitting with, you know, six inches of snow on the ground come March. Um, It's a big difference. Huge difference. So you're saying that currently there's 59 inches of snow on the ground. We've had 59 inches of snow sitting here. And that we've, that we've totaled this year, I'm going to guess right now we're at probably about 30, some 38. I don't, I don't know what the total is out there. I mean, I got a four and a half foot, five foot drift out back at the house right now. And I mean, fence lines, all the ditches are full and all the fields are probably barren fields that they disked and stuff like that where the snow blows through. There's probably a good, you know, foot out there, foot and a half where they left corn stalks. You, you might be at 20 inches out there where they didn't get to disking, pre-disking. So it sounds like Christian's starting his truck to head up there to get on the ice. Yeah, uh, Christian, yeah I'll get him up here on the ice. That's what we're that's what... You're getting ready to go auger a hole for the walleye. <laughs> so Hey, Chad, just FYI. If you ever hear 
Christian's ice fishing. Call FBI, call somebody because I have been kidnapped. He will. He'll come up there. He already said if I get if I get one of those forty foot or not, they're not forty foot, but like twenty four foot ice castles that screen out like a like a damn camper and go on the ice and has three TVs in there and a bar. We're good as long as we can hook up some football and some college football. We're golden. He's he's all in. He's coming. Eric went uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. It was you awesome. Did, Eric? Me, and Tony, mean, yeah, me and Tony went up. Yeah, we grilled on the ice, and that was about it. How many did you get? Dana had one, but she couldn't. But she couldn't decide whether to set her fishing pole down or finish eating her hot dog. So I. <laughs> <laughs> that was so it. So you got you guys came home with no fish. No, we just went. The girls wanted to go out fishing, and we would rather just hang out and get other stuff done, and and you know, probably talk about more spring fishing and go to the bar. But since my wife wanted to go um, ice fishing badly and we invested in a few thousand dollars worth of ice fishing gear this last couple of years, we decided to try to take it out and go use it. And uh, we did. We went out there for about three hours, sat in the ice, and that's about it. Had some good conversations, some good laughs, and didn't mark but two fish. So the pump tent. So yeah, <laughs> seven, seven, a little plant tent. The best part is, is that the boys were out there, and then they came back and took our spot that night. And it, obviously, it's a fishing. It's the we knew the bite was going to be on at night, but you know anything about ice fishing? If you're not well educated, I'm not the I'm new at it, right? And and Tony does it every now and again, and I'm like, I don't want to be sitting here packing up the middle. Of the, we all got stuck going out there first off. Now I got to go pack up everything in the dark with two ladies out there with our wives out there and try to figure this stuff out and uh get back off the ice in the dark when it's sub-zero degree temperatures out there now nah, the boys went out there and i think they all limited out like two hours after we left <laughs> so. so the the idea of ice fishing is more of a socializing thing to where it's kind of like duck hunting if it but your 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 last trip you weren't seeing any ducks you just you were just sitting in the blind not having any success. I don't know if I could do it. Like, I don't, it sounds to me, Eric, like this was a one and done for you. Like you live in the land of ice fishing, I guess a little bit further North into Minnesota and those areas or a little bit to the West uh, East of you is pretty prominent for it too. But I mean, you don't enjoy it is what you're kind of saying is that it takes an act of God to go. I, I, I enjoyed it, but there has to be, to me, it's, it's just like going duck hunting. I mean, there's certain times like you want to go off the right people and have a good time. We want to go sit in the blind all day long and bulloni because there's nothing else better to do. But we know the ducks are not going to fly to this time because they may come out to feed in this time or the geese are coming out to feed this time. That's fine. You go, you go do it. You enjoy the camaraderie, which is great to go do. But am I ate up with it? No, but I haven't had that that one fishing experience that we've all had that whatever sport that you fell in love with, whether it's duck hunting, goose hunting, deer hunting, antelope hunting, whatever it might be, right? We've, we've all had that hunt that made you fall in love with it. I haven't had that uh, ice fishing experience yet to fall in love with it. Now my wife has and other people have, and I see them and see them post and stuff. And as soon as I have that, I'm sure I'll be ate up with it more, more and more. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's still fun. It's still a good time, but you gotta, you're either in, either in love with it or not. Cause you gotta, it's cold. It's cold. It takes some work, you know. So yeah, and you could die, and you could fall in. And you could fall in the water, <laughs> and you could fall in the water. It was twenty inches of ice, so you're not, you're not, you're not falling in, in anytime soon there. But it's just when you go out there to have a huge lake. You know, the lake is two and a half miles wide by six or seven miles long, and you go drill a hole right here. And I'm going to fish. I'm not in a boat. I'm not. I'm. I'm mobile, but I'm not just trolling around thing and looking for structure. I got to go find it. And you know, it's just. I don't know. It's just a different, it's a different deal. It's a different mindset. And my mind chases squirrels half the day. So it's not the greatest thing for me. All right. Back to decoys. I don't, I, I, I don't know if I could spend a lot of time. I've done it. It's cool, but I'd much rather be Marlin fishing when it's about 90. Um, Christian, um, you just were talking about Arkansas. We got to hunt there together a little bit this year. Do you need decoys staying along the line of greenhead gear? Um, I've always said that Arkansas is the audio state. 
Okay, that's where a lot of the greatest duck callers come from that part of the country. Do you need decoys in the flooded timber, yes or no? Do they finish them? Do you put them in your kill hole? Does it depend on the size of the hole? Does it depend on if you're hunting a slit in thicker woods? Talk to me about the theory of the land of ducks, the capital of the mallard duck. The, you know, everybody wants to go to Stuttgart. They want to go to Max Prairie Wings. They want to hunt the flooded timber. Do you need decoys in the flooded timber? If you're hunting a hole, yeah. Yeah, it's simple. Do you want my expert advice? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's still thinking about squirrels and fishing in an ice hole. Yeah, if you're hunting in a hole, yeah, for sure. If you're hunting, you know, a lot of times, my favorite hunting is not in a hole. You find one tree blown down and and, and that's it. And uh, in that situation, no, I don't like using decoys if you're not in a hole prefer not to have them because you, I mean, you don't need them. It's all they're just, they're just extra weight to carry in. Yeah. I mean, you just don't need them. It's just, you're just calling. So it's an audio state. Yeah, it's an audio thing. What you just said, but yeah, if you're hunting, Oh yeah, you gotta have them. Just because there's more, there's obviously there's just more they open and view, they yeah. can see it easier. Right. Yeah. And you know, if you're hunting in the woods, it, man, they, there's so much, um, stuff in the bottom and there's, you know, trees, they can't really see good and you're kicking the water and they just see the water moving. So thing I didn't notice about brilliance and decoys when we were down in Prairie Wings, whatever that was, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, when you guys were hunting down there, Chad, and when that sun hit those decoys, the birds did it. I mean, it was a whole yeah. different ball game. It was, it was some of the coolest. I've been on a few timber hunts, a couple good ones, and that was one of them. Did, we were we weren't killing tons of birds. It just everything that did it did it correctly, perfectly, yeah. and that those brilliance and those decoys, man. Oh, I, it, we were hunting a hole. We we're hunting a big hole, you know. So, let me ask you this, Christian, and and I and it goes along with what Eric just said. Is that considered flooded timber hunting if you go in and clear a big hole, or is oh, yeah. true is true flooded timber hunting? finding a slit or a fallen down tree or a tree that blew over because it's still the same. Yeah. It's all the same. It's just different spots. I mean, I prefer, especially like late in the year, you know, ducks will, they'll get kind of shy with a lot of pressure, those big holes. And then they'll just start laying. Everybody's seen it's hunting in the woods. You're hunting a hole late in the year where they, they, they work, they work, but they, they either fly through the hole and land out in the woods or they'll land behind you in the woods. They get hole shy. Big time get hole shy, but it's still, in your opinion, considered flooded timber. Like you wouldn't say, well, that's not traditional oh, yeah, flooded yeah. timber. Like, like you say, well, fanning a turkey or reaping a turkey is not traditional turkey hunting. You hear that a lot. Like, so that is still considered traditional flooded oh, yeah. timber hunting. You know, uh, green timber reservoir. Yeah, yeah. So that's still considered hunting the woods. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> is that is that your favorite kind of mallard duck hunting? Yeah, I think it. Probably everybody's that's done it. It's just it's special. God, it's special. Nothing like prettier. what? Nothing prettier. It's so and beautiful. Calling so much, you know. Calling's a big deal, which we all like. It's just, it's just beautiful. Nothing prettier, I don't think. I mean, I think, I, I think just as pretty is a good pothole. I mean, good cattail. You consider a real good pothole cattails, and they're dropping into the exact same thing when their birds. Worst part about it is we just don't. During that time period for us up here, we just don't have the plumage. It doesn't look as pretty, and it's awesome. Um, that adding that plumage to it makes a makes a big big difference on it. But but yeah, compared to a dry field hunter, someone that my experiences with it is it's breathtaking. Truly, is. that's a good point, Lars Gard. That time of year, let's say we're going into fall of of 2023, next duck season, September October. Um, I guess when does duck season open up there? It's well, October November. Okay, last week of September. Are you using more brown decoys um, to look more realistic as a duck hunter up there in that time of the year? Would you advise the consumer, hey, leave your drakes at home? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know the population that does do that, but I would. Yes, definitely. We use a lot more teal and hens. You know, I mean, that's just what we we, we use. A lot of teal decoys and hens for our decoys for the first opening weekends that's usually what we have yeah and and brown ducks you know you got your gadwalls you always end up a lot of gadwalls and uh stuff like that so yeah i wouldn't you're not seeing us throw out any 
brilliant, brilliant, brilliant decoys, but that's for sure for the most part. There might be a handful of mallards that Drake said are in there, but you wouldn't see us throw a January mallard out type deal, you know, as part of our spread. So, but what would you say, Christian? Would you think that hunting over more brown would be key that time of year? Yeah, I think you just, uh, just like anything, you, you mimic what's going on um, in, in any of your decoy spreads. Okay, so I, mean, I want to time of year you mimic the 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 species. I mean, just like yep, if you're hunting flooded timber. You don't put a bunch of pintails in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? But why? 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 Why not? If it's going to be more vibrant and have more white on it, I just, I just, I mean, that's a good being question. Re- you're I, talking I, about I just, being realistic. I, just be re- just realism. Why is that, Christian, the other species? And I know you see a widgeon in there once in a while and a gray duck, and you go to the Mississippi Delta and you'll get – it's not really considered green foot, green timber over there, but you'll get great – you know, gadwalls doing it into trees. Why in Arkansas don't you see more species doing it when you know that there's other species there? You know, that, I'm not a biologist. I don't know the answer to that. That is a great question. I, I don't know if it's if – it's, I don't know. Food, every once in a while you get some teal in there. But mostly, like I said, it's mallard wood ducks and a few teal periodically. If somebody kills a pintail in the woods, you're like, what the crap? Probably came in with a bunch of mallards or something. But it's just, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. It's a great question. I wonder why that is. You see, because there's so many widgeon in Arkansas out in oh, the yeah. rice fields. Well, I mean, and sprig. Widgeon, there's gadwalls. You know, I'm still amazed that the mallards even go to timber. I guess over time and years of pressure and stuff like that they you know pressure forced them their food sources or whatever back when to now or whatever but you know when you see them up here and they you wouldn't think nothing that's just the most crazy thing in the world to see a mallard come into the timber that's the, the coolest thing is when you take somebody that's never been in the woods and like you say it's late in the year and you walk out and not in a hole and you walk out in the woods and and they're looking up like is this guy crazy? There's yeah. no ducks going to come through that. And all of a sudden, the first bunch comes, and they're freaking breaking limbs and bouncing off of crap, and they're, they're just like, what in the world? It's just so cool. I remember the first time going hunting with Scott Moats doing it, and he's, and I, another time with Beck, Beckham, and we were going up there, we were going to go, and we did the, call it what you said, a lay down or something like that. There was no, I, a hole was nothing like we hunted at Prairie Wings or a couple of these other places that we hunted before we were actually hunting a fairly decent size hole, a lot of different size holes. But we were in the middle of this and we're lo- looking up and he goes, go, where are they going to come from? I'm looking up and it's still black out there. He goes, right there in that hole. I'm like, hole? I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't throw a beach ball up through there in a, a hole. <laughs> you know, that, that, I mean, it was insane. That was the hole they were hunting. You know, like, well, okay. Well, I mean, that's where they came. It's nothing for mallards to, you know, break branches. I mean, it's unbelievable to see how, you know, they'll hit branches a lot of the times on their descent. So, like, they're they're getting in the hole. They might not see every Mm -hmm. branch, but I think they can, like what Christian said, when they get hole shy, decoy shy, hole shy, um, I've seen it done multiple times, probably, you know, 10 to 15 times where you're in a slit with no decoys yeah. and you're just hammering on the call. And you know, it's, it's, you're letting them get downwind and you're trying to get them lined up perfect before you stand on that first note or get them what we call the comeback call, I guess. Um, before you hit, you know, mah, mah, and get that, that lead duck to turn them into that slit, right? You want to, you want to dictate where that hole, that slit is before you line them up. Right. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's it's crazy. Like I said, you can see it. I mean, they're going to come right there. It's, sometimes when you're hunting, it's the only place they can come. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a sight to see. It's cool. It, it's such a sight to see that when we were down there and we had those outdoor riders um, in there with that Benelli camp, they have they as of last night they were still texting me about yeah. they can't get they, they can't get over what they saw. Yeah, they just can't get over it. It's, I still I can't get over it. As many times oh. as I've seen it, I, I would hunt there every single day of the year if I could. If you could chase ducks in the flooded timber and yeah. have them working every day, it would be. Um, talk to me about this. I heard some rumblings um, over the this last five days hunting um, mainly geese. We've we've touched on our new silhouette decoy. A lot of people that hunt geese every day said they will never hunt geese over a 100% silhouette spread. Um 
are they being built to fill in? Is there a mindset that you can kill geese consistently with the silhouette decoy, Lars Guard? How do we educate the consumer on our beliefs in the full body versus the silhouette versus the cost versus <laughs> the investment versus the weight versus the storage? I get all of that. Yeah. I'm talking results. Yeah. I want to have results when I spend this much time trying to hone my skill set as a waterfowl hunter. Yeah. Do silhouettes I, work, Lars Guard? Yeah, silhouettes do work. There's no doubt about it. It's been proven, and it's not just what's happened and taking place in the last five years. You know, we all know the outlaw real geese, and if there was any other brands that were out there prior to that in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, right? Those, those were out there, and they were hev- heavily used. And they worked extremely well, especially early season. Birds that are, you're coming to the first few days of season, they've been coming over here, they've been getting off this pond or off this area, they're going to come over, they're coming in. There's no circling, there's no working geese, there's no trafficking geese. They're coming in and boom, landing. Awesome, awesome decoy for that. Still highly effective with it. Just killed a bunch this last year for opening season on it. Now, as you get into later seasons, um, they're an unbelievable filler in there as long as they look the part um, on there. Real shiny days, there's not a great one out there because you have zero curvature. It's a flat board no matter what you do. And try to get texture on it. They all have a little bit of that. So shiny days, you want to stick away from that. So it's a learning experience that all these younger kids are are falling into that they got these new silhouettes they, they think it's like the newest thing since sliced bread that's out there and it's i mean i have kids buddy that think they only way they can kill birds is man you gotta have silhouettes so well, yeah we don't need no full bodies i'm like all right tell me that later you just you, you keep hunting that and let me know how your success keeps going on throughout the year now if you're hunting the x and there's no birds they're coming in straight in stuff like that i get it wow high five yourself but not go hunt some trafficking birds out out of pier or somewhere else that are birds that have been hurt, hunting hard and they're working birds, you're trying to move them in and they're going to come by and circle four or five times before they come in. Let me know how that works at that point in time. So to answer the question, are they good decoy? Yes. Are they great for a spread? Yes. Are they good for early season? Unbelievable. Um, but it's something that I say you need to consistently hunt over. That's the only thing you got. Nothing will ever go away from full bodies. Full bodies still are the most consistent day after day, time after time hunting um decoy that i would choose period and if not after that it'd be shells first christian first. i know you hunt a lot of canada geese do you have anything I to do. add to that <laughs> i do <laughs> i do chris or uh, eric real I quick before i think it's it's all it, it's again it's pressure related right so it's 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 something new and it, again you look at like the the old school silhouettes back in the day you know, everybody quit using them and then they come back and then ground blinds. Now, who would have thought that you that geese get wary of ground blinds, digging them in, covering up, they get wary of them, but you can sit a freaking panel blind <laughs> out in the middle of a field and hammer them. I mean, Axe blinds out in the middle. How many times have you done yeah, the field? I, mean, the well, it's just, I think it's just something different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so September you have an early goose season that I've hunted in South Dakota. I think Christian's probably hunted it too with you, Eric. No, I haven't. No, you haven't. Well, <clears throat> these well, geese, these are local geese. Yeah, they've been there. They've been going to that field, that wheat field, whatever they're in. We've hunted them in winter wheat up there. We found them in corn. Um. You go in there and you might see 80, you know, 80 geese. That's a good early season setup. You know, that's the, that's the X. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I'd have the confidence in just silhouettes on a September goose season. They haven't seen a decoy maybe since January. So you're looking at nine months of going into that field or, or, you know, obviously they did their breeding and they did all their stuff, but they're just going into this field. Now they know what, what, what's up. The early season is meant to take care of some of this local population. Would you hunt all silhouettes on that early season, Eric? Uh, would I be afraid? I would. Me personally, I would not. Would I have I? Yes. Am I afraid to? No, not not really. If you're hunting that X and doing this stuff, to me, it's more along the lines, don't show something crazy out there as my thing. If there's 80 birds coming to that field and they're coming in small family groups like you know they are, they're coming, hopefully it's not the whole spread coming at one time, but if they're coming in small family groups, I mean, I'm going to hunt with a dozen decoys at the most. 
and they're going to be upset in family groups and that's it. And I'm going to be in my spot where they're, where they're supposed to be landing or where they have been landing. Um, and we'll mix it up here and there. A dozen stuff, silhouettes. What's that? A dozen silhouettes. Yeah. I, I, yeah not afraid to, I, again, everything just depends on the situation, how they, how they've been coming out and where they're going. It might be a couple dozen silhouettes because silhouettes, <clears throat> silhouettes, if you're using them properly, it takes more. If you're trying to mimic uh, six geese, you might, you might need, you might need, eight, nine, 10 of those birds just kind of because you're turning them different directions, right? So as the birds coming around, they're not, they're losing one, gain one, losing one, gain one as they're, as they're, as they're swinging around, if they are swinging. Again, if, again, if they're coming straight up and coming straight down, I mean, that's, that's a hunter's choice, hunter's preference. I think, I think a lot of people, the biggest thing that people do is they don't, like Christian's touched on earlier, mimic. They bought all this gear. They got all this gear. They got to use all this gear. Not we all know people that do that. It's like no mimic, mimic right now. At, what's at hand right this minute? Um, if those birds have been doing this, not one of those groups of birds have showed up. And there's one great pile of birds all feeding in one circle there, or, or a, a half U shape, or whatever you're going to do for the creating a landing zone, right? No, they got a pod here, pod there, pod here. And they're all kind of landing all over, but you're trying to get them to the central piece. So mimic that, mimic them, but. Um, yeah, I would, I'm not afraid of hunting. They're using them, but no, traditionally, 99% of the time, if I'm going to be out there, I'm going to still use my full bodies, and I might have some silhouettes here and there. When you, motion is more important to me. Let's talk about motion real quick because I've been mm-hmm. having a lot of guys have success over a product that we brought to the market six, seven years ago, eight years ago. The jerk flag system. Why why are we not educating the goose hunter with this system more? Eric, meaning, you know, for the listener, it gets your flagging out in the hole. You have a remote control. You have an arm that will bring your flag up and drop it. Like, gets it away from the blinds, gets it away from the hide, takes the attention off of the hide. You might have an extended pull flag going when they're out there a long ways. And as they get closer, you can switch to this system, the, the jerk flag system. Um, why are we not keying in on this more? You just said it yourself that it's motion is more important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to, I think I'll talk about the motion, that flagging system first, I guess on it, but, um, motion is crucial. The flagging system. I don't know why that's kind of come and gone. I mean, we had it, came out with it. And then there was a couple other people that came out with it too. Um, take one better than the other. Don't matter on that stuff. And it's kind of gone away. You, You'll see in certain areas and things, I still think it's a piece that we can keep around and do. Um, uh, we even had the electronic flagging system, which actually is a pretty cool thing. When you hit the button, just like a mojo spinner, you have it out in your points, wherever it is, for birds are certain, you hit it, goes up, flaps, and weighs back down. Guys that have used it, love it. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I, think, I think people forget about that. And just like you, Chad, I mean, if you were going to forget something out there, one piece of equipment that you make sure that you have day in, day out when you're a can of goose on is a flag. You, you do not forget your flag, period. I, I don't care who you are. I, I'll forget my call before a flag. Um, but a flag is crucial just for the movement stake on that end. And, uh, and prior to that even was our motion on our decoys. I mean, our decoys have the best motion out there. Now our new ones have a little bit less limited, but still have motion compared to all, every decoy that's locked in stagnant. Are still, have, when used right and faced into the wind, they still have great motion. Just that little bit helps out immensely. Yeah, I echo that sentiment of the flag, and it's amazing how many people forget their flags. Yeah. I mean, that's one trip you have to make back to the lodge or the trailer or wherever your flags are. Christian, as far as mimicking ducks down the flyways, by the time they get to the rice country, is there such thing as having too many decoys out around these rice pits? Like Eric just said, 12 decoys will kill geese in September. By the time they get to Missouri or the Boot Hill or Arkansas, can you have a dozen decoys around a rice pit and be successful? No, I don't think so. I think you got to have more. Um, But again, I like to have... I mean, it depends on the time of year and what's going on, but, you know, I typically hunt eight to 10 to 12 dozens, mainly because I, I want to pick them up. 
And, you know, even though if if there's instances where you like to have five or 600, but let's just be honest, I'm not going to pick those up. So it's more important to me to have the amount that I can pick up. It's funny that mindset of a duck and goose hunter that we could have them in six slot bags and 12 slot bags at the beginning of the hunt. But by the time that breakfast starts setting in and you want to get to the cafe, you're like, just throw them in the freaking formula. Let's go. It's like, Oh man, I'm tired. I had one too many last night. I got a headache. We had a good hunt. Let's just, we're coming back tomorrow. Let's just not pick them up. Let's just leave them out. I mean, I'm guilty of it. It's just, it's, it's, easy to do but i think i I think guys sometimes you spend a little less time on uh worrying about your decoys and the best part i love and it gets me as not being born and raised a duck hunter right um getting into it in my into uh my early 20s and getting into it falling in love with it and doing it um my best thing is when birds don't do it the first time right then it's like, oh, God, we got to do Chase something this, but we got to go move the decoys around. We got something, something's not something. They saw you most likely, or they might, whatever. But concealment to me is probably our number one mistake by all waterfall hunters, hands down. Christian, yes. <clears throat> he just said concealment's the number one mistake. Um, ducks work the decoys <clears throat> in the dark. Let's say you do have a good hide. I want to go back to the hide real quick, but Eric just brought up a point, Christian, of duck hunting. The last thing I like to do is just over-exaggerate what just happened. Like, oh, we need to change this. They didn't do it. The first group came in and they didn't do it. Like, that might be true as 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 you get into the hunt. But in my opinion, tell correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, it's the lighting. If you just, if you patient and you let the sun get up a little bit, things change like that, right? People freak out because yeah. they haven't even let the sun get up. The sun is is key in yeah. all of this, yeah. right? Yeah. Sun is huge. And, and I mean, I'm not going to one group doesn't do it. And, um, but something's wrong. I mean, but two or three do the same thing, then something needs to change. I mean, I think that's, you got to be prudent. If, if two or three do something, something they're seeing something or there's something they don't like, or, or if three groups in a row finish, uh, 30, 20, 30 yards outside of your decoys need to need to make a change, move decoys around, do something. Um, and there's a difference between not finishing and, you know, outright flaring. Yeah. You're completely covered up and you're in a pit and the lid's closed and and a group comes in and flares and it's sunny. They saw something and you got to figure out right then what it was. Now, if they don't finish exactly right or finish outside of the decoys or or go on, I mean, you can tell the difference between, man, they just saw something or, you know, whatever. They may have got shot at yesterday. Who knows? Good point. So, decoys for the future. What can you two tell us, being the heads of, of Greenhead Gear? Um, what do we have coming? What are we proud of right now? The Pro-Grade XD Honkers are a killer decoy, day in and day out. Um, our Pro-Grade XD Mallard floaters. What What are you guys proud of? What can we tell the consumer on this episode as we come out of duck season 2022, 2023? We all know we're getting ready already for next season. People are already geared towards this. There might be some retailers out there that have some end-of-the-season sales. What, what can guys and girls go get that you two are proud of that you think will up their chances in the decoy game? Um, and then do we have anything new coming out, what we can look forward to? Are there going to be some announcements pretty soon? What do we got going? I think as far as what we're proud of, and I'll let Eric talk about what's coming. What we're proud of, I think, is is like you said, our XD series duck and geese are they're freaking phenomenal. They're pinnacle. The materials, the paint, they're beautiful. Um, they're they're the creme de la creme. I mean, they're they work. They're unbelievable. Um, we're also proud of the the depth and and the width of our offering, right? I mean, I, I understand that 
if if you're hunting uh, a big lake and you're putting out a thousand decoys, you're probably not going to buy a thousand XDs, right? You got fillers. Well, we got that for you. We've got. We don't have. We're proud of of how every single one of our decoys looks. None of them are economy. None of them look economy. Um, mm -hmm. We have different sizes. Um, we got the most extensive species offering. I, I'm just I'm proud of our whole entire line, where we've been, where we came from, where we're at today. It's just it, it's it's a freaking it's a, it's a lot to be proud of. I'm gonna just say he basically said it all right there. I'll mimic all that. We do we have um, the XDs again. There is not a better looking decoy in the market, in my opinion. I mean, as far as everything's looks or, you know, you might find this person tracked out that, that those, those decoys are gorgeous looking decoys. They hold up, they're durable, and um, they're they look exactly like a freaking duck. Correct. Yeah. All, I mean, down to everything. Um, so, top of their game, they're A in their game, they're best in class, right? All the way across the board. And like he said, we have everything in every subspecies and decoy species and stuff, even for other countries to work on across the board. And like you said, if we have stuff that the starter hunter that's just trying to fill a, get a spread going, he has that opportunity. He can get into there at a, at a reasonable cost and price and ha still have a deluxe decoy, a bad looking, de or bad, bad to the bone looking decoy, a real looking decoy, unlike other brands that have, hey, here's our best in class and here's Daffy Duck or whatever it is, but, or, or just in general stuff. Um, so extremely proud of that, extremely proud of that we just keep we keep producing. We keep producing day in, day out, a great, great product, a great, great um, piece. Um, the other thing to be proud of is what people don't see behind the scenes is how we're always, like we talked about earlier, what's next, what's next. We're, we're, we're always on that. I mean, it's been tough the last two years because of COVID. We couldn't go, you know, travel overseas. But I'm proud of of that that we stay on the forefront we're, we're constantly searching for not just decoys i mean materials plastics better processes better paint processes we're constantly um evolving in that <laughs> yeah evolving and, and you know i guess unless you know you i mean you see the results but you don't see how much work goes in on the back side and, and I'm extremely proud of that as well. Yep. Um, as far as new stuff, as far as new stuff that we have coming out, um, we grow. We're going a little deeper in the sock world. Um, we've grown a little deeper in, in that. Some with some heads, um, plastic heads and whatnot in there for our, the socks. And same with the silos, um, some species of silos that were out there we've added to, um, and we're going to be adding to body styles and stuff like that, um, positions and whatnot into that over the next few years. Um, but dove, pigeon, sandhill crane, that kind of stuff, widgeon, pintail um, in the silos world. Um, again, just small stuff like that. Again, um, um, nothing in the plastic world as far as, new carvings and stuff like that again that's like christian touched on that's a very on hands-on deal um with covid shutting shutting us down our trips over there now that we're getting ready to fire back up and go overseas quite a bit that hopefully all will change um just depending on um obviously rate and prices changed in decoy so you just gotta be business and run it smart on that end um but i also don't feel we're, i don't feel we're missing anything honestly yeah. to me uh -huh. it's just coming out with a new f-150 or a new it's a new body style on it I mean, how do you make, if anybody can show me how to make a better looking decoy than our mallards, our, our XD mallards or our XD honkers, man, I hope you do it. But I don't, I, I, you can't, you know, in my opinion, right now you can't, it's, it, they're that good, that good looking. So um, right now we just got a lot of good stuff going on. There's some motion stuff coming, but anyways, um, <clears throat> man, we're always going to try to bring new stuff there. And, uh, and, uh, try to make our hunters, our customers more successful in the field. Where does Greenhead Gear stand in line of the leaders 
in the industry and you can be biased. You don't have to name other brands, but there's a lot of options out there. We started this conversation by talking mm-hmm. about options to the consumer. There's a lot of de- decoy manufacturers out there. A decoy is a decoy in some people's opinion, but we're the leader, right? We were for a long time. Ooh, have we, we gotten, were. have we gotten back there, Christian and Eric? I think there's certain people that have land maybe in a silhouette right now or something like that that's come out and reintroduced an old series, uh, an old technique back to the world. And they were they were now first to do it in the last 20 years. Okay, so they might they might be a leader in a category. But if you take the decoy class from silhouette socks to all the way plastic floaters, shells all the way across the board. Yeah, I feel we're number one. I'm really confident that we're number one. Is there some great companies out there? Hell yeah, there's some great companies out there with with good products. But I still feel that we have the best best in class and best to offer as far as from start to finish, everything. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I mean, we were the, the first to, you know, start this revolution. And I, I don't think that we've been knocked off. Um, I think, like he said, there's some good companies, no doubt about it. But I think that we're going to be at the forefront when the next, when, if, if there's a new plastic or a new paint or a new process, we're going to be at the forefront of it. Just like in the apparel side. Yep. Correct. So to end it on decoys, maintenance and vibrance, color, is key taking care of them is key but if you are going to skip the process of bagging what what can we do what can we do as hunters out here to keep that color i want to keep stressing how important that color is is it just mainly the pressure washing don't be afraid to pick them up and wash them during the season if you have a spread out there what do you do christian if you have one of those rice field spreads that you can't pick up that will stay out there year round except advise the people pick them up clean them up yeah maybe may, maybe go maybe go half the season and then update them just let's end it by te- by educating our consumer there is a way to kill late season ducks and geese just dependent on the look of your decoy yeah, you, you've got to keep them clean. I mean, you can, uh, what are you talking about rice fields or, or big fields where you got big spreads? You can't pick them up. You got to keep them clean. Don't, I mean, there, and there's things you can do to keep them clean, right? Don't drive through them. Don't, <laughs> don't throw mud on them. Be careful when you take them in. If you take them out to wash them, you know, a lot of times it's freaking nasty muddy. Put, put something over them on the way back in after you have cleaned them. I mean, if you take a dozen a day, pick your 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 twelve nasty de- nastiest decoys, take them in and wash them, bring them back out the next day, take twelve more in or two dozen. Oh, good point. Store them inside. I have clubs that you see them hanging up out there. When the season ends, they still stay hanging there till next season. Yeah. Put them inside. That sunlight, everything hurts stuff. Yeah, you, you don't have to bite off the six hundred decoys at one time. Take two dozen in. Every day, clean them, bring them back out, and take another two dozen. But it's just, there's so much, like, you you know, I mean, dogs running through them and people driving through them. And, you know, you, you, there, there's no there's no quick fix. You just got to keep them clean, however you do that. Just like, you know, Eric touched on concealment, the audience. I hope you understand where he was going with how important the hide is. You know, you got to be where the birds are. Once you're there where the birds are, whether you're running traffic or on the X, you have to stay hidden. But, man, I, I just, you know, and we can take our hide for granted. You get in your ground blind, you knock a bunch of brush off. Oh, they're still going to do it. It's the guys that over-exaggerate that hide. We all know the name Tyson Keller. He was so anal about the concealment and the hide, right? He still is. Um and you should be. But I think we take for granted the look of our decoys as we get into the season. 
whether it's full bodies coming out of a trailer, whether it's a rice field that they stay out, like Christian's saying, bring 12 in at a time and clean them off. Try to keep rotating them through to have some vibrance in that spread. If you got if you got a bunch of white out there with some spoonbills and you got some sprig out there and you got widgeon with the white stripe, well, they're going to get muddy. And then the next thing you know, when you get far away from that, from the bird's eye view, they don't look white anymore. They don't look vibrant. They don't look real. So I wanted to touch on all this with Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard today, the leaders of Green head gear with the design team with the future of decoys in my opinion is so exciting nothing i mean i love calling don't get me wrong hiding is the most boring part like i love a good blind trust me but like i love decoys they get me so excited when you see them and the new stuff coming out and putting your hands on them i don't want to take anything away from the hide i don't want to take anything away from your hours and hours of wearing people out with practicing your duck and goose calling. But man, I saw it so evident, everybody, this last five days in California when I said, these decoys look brand new. And Rock Merlot looked at me and said, they are. And I said, but it's January, almost February. He goes, I switched them out a couple weeks ago. He says the results have been unbelievable. And guys and girls, I don't know if you've paid attention to Merlot Waterfowl on Instagram or online or the talks going around message boards or whatever. I don't know what's out there these days um, with full transparency. But I'm talking everyday results. I'm talking big, big spins of snows and specks. And I'm talking hitting the century mark many, many times. Now, whether or not you believe in that and you're saying, well, how do they get to kill 10 specks per man per day? They have clients coming in from all over the country now to experience California waterfowl hunting. And Rocky is dedicated to a great experience. And he talks about greenhead gear daily about the duck decoys, about how he takes care of his rice decoys, about what he did, exactly what Christian just said, keeping them clean, keeping them pressure washed off. Now, does he have a crew to do it? Yes, he does. But it's all about how far you want to take it to achieve success. And in my opinion, decoys are only deadly when they're clean. They're only deadly when they have vibrance. They're deadly when they got the texturing, the feather detail. We talked about the kill today. We're going to talk about the kill more in future episodes because swimming of the decoy is very important. But I saw evidence. So congratulations, Eric. Congratulations, Christian. These decoys are providing memories and stories out there for waterfowl hunters all around the world. And seeing it this last week in California. I was mind blown. I will send footage. We'll put footage up on our website and our social. I, when we say first and finishing, I'm talking groups of three, 400 at a time at your feet, at your feet. And that's exactly what Greenhead Gear was built on. The passion of the decoy, the passion of the realism. And every single time I touch one of them or see the results of them, I get giddy. I'm proud to be a part of it. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Bandit Hour banded.com in my opinion there's nothing like it these two gentlemen have taken it to the next level christian curtis thank you for being here any closing words on greenhead gear decoys anything going on in your mind no i i'm uh appreciate you having us again and um we're just just know that we're busting our butts every day to bring the best stuff out there Eric, before you get off here and get in your your fishing suit or whatever you wear in these fish houses, um, do you have any closing words? Thank you for being here today, Lars Guard. No, I, I I do not have any closing words outside. Appreciate it again, and we are like Christian just said. Uh, our goal each day here at Banded Avery Green and Gear ASD is to make our customers hunt training process whatever it may be better if we can make it better for them then then we, we've done we have we have a good product <clears throat> so that's all we're trying to do uh, that sounded like closing words actually well i do have you know i never shut up so he is a speech he is a speech giver that was good eric <laughs> very good that's the bandit hour chad building christian curtis eric Larsgard will have more episodes coming at you shortly throughout the entire season because you as you know you know we got conservation season coming up for snow geese and then we got turkey season which you're going to find apparel through bandit and avery you're going to find decoys through greenhead gear and avery we are going to keep the bandit hour coming because we truly believe in the culture of hunting and we want to keep providing as much information as we can to the end consumer because i feel it's important with all of the choices out there and there is an ability to pull wool over people's eyes in my opinion i see it done every day in marketing and social media and the hype is there the hype is real but i'm telling 
telling you, I want to bring you the facts. I want to bring it from the minds of the men that are designing this, the women that are designing it. We're going to have episodes coming out on more of our apparel, our lifestyle. Uh, Eric mentioned ASD, Avery Sporting Dog. We do love a great duck dog, a great goose god, goose dog. I said goose gods. Maybe that's who I'm still praying for for this spring season. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Bandit Hour. We'll be back at you with another one. In the meantime, check out brand new episodes of Benelli's The Foul Life airing exclusively right now on the Outdoor Channel. Thank you all so much for the downloads and subscriptions to The Foul Life Podcast. We truly appreciate it. We're honored to bring it to you every week. Thank you very much. My foul life is in full swing.